Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And we're here today with one of my really good friends, and I'm so, so, so excited. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Uh, hang on. What? Let's let's back up. Let's do an intro. I want to talk again before we introduce Tara. Let's talk about season five and shooting season five and that like this is our third episode in season five yeah yeah we're actually kind of <laughs> being consistent for the first time ever maybe yeah we this is our third let's let's be clear here this is our third episode we've shot in a week see there you go david <laughs> we shot we, three we're in shooting. one week it's we're doing good we've never done this well before we're not shooting anything we're just recording it it's, it's all it's all audio but this is why I love David because audio is visual for him. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I do. I talk. I Yeah, and like, so like shooting or the I love how we end every pet podcast. He goes, "I'll see you next time." Like I I maybe it is. I see in I see in words. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I see in there words. I like Tyrion Lannister drinks and he knows things. I drink coffee and I say things. <laughs> and that's I love it. So yeah, so we are solidly in our fifth um, fifth season and David keeps saying we don't plan anything and we kind of don't, but some, <laughs> but then things come together and we've got some great guests. We've got AJ Swoboda on, you know, I think next episode is releasing his new book. And so we're excited to have him on again. I think that's the only guest we have planned. Although no, we don't. Well, he's our fourth and I've talked, true. we've got a lot. We've got lots of people. Okay. We say that at the Josh, beginning of every Josh episode. Josh has plans. I don't know these plans. Maybe I forgot. <laughs> I, Dude, pandemic's <laughs> been so weird. Like, I don't... I, honest to God, don't remember things that happened a week ago. Like, people tell me things, and I don't remember what happened. I don't, I don't know what's going on. My brain is breaking is right now. All it's, right, back... Now it's broken. Um, back to our <laughs> guest. Let's introduce David. Will you introduce All our, right. our guest so, for today? So I met um, uh, Tara a f- like six years ago when I came here. We were shooting a video promo for all one you're actually services. shooting a video we were not making, shooting a podcast we making yes. like this uber <laughs> professional video do you remember doing this it was going to be a super was professional I? video and i don't think we ever released it we you brought in like this backdrop and we had um we had was lighting that? we had everything the white backdrop yeah and it was on that top floor yeah yeah and and we i don't Is think we you, ever did anything I, with were that there? i was there yeah, we met there. We did. And- Interesting. Here's a fun story. Um, so those videos are somewhere, so much so that Bishop Stuart <laughs> Miniweather, um, he he actually told me just a couple weeks ago, he goes, remember that time? And he says, I a couple years ago, he went to Africa, and he got off the plane, and there's a church there that says, we've been waiting for you, Bishop Miniweather. We saw your video. <laughs> And so they oh, it got saw, released. They saw wow. that video That's of nice. him s- somehow, somewhere in Africa. So it's released in Africa all nice. the way across nice. the world. We we shot this video talking about Portland ministry, but we didn't release it in Portland or America. We <laughs> sent it to Africa so they could watch it. Um, so we met there, and then um, I. I kind of lived at a coffee shop where you were working. And, oh, yeah. and so oh, yeah. we literally we, we kind of had a long years running conversation. And then 
Um, and and then you are sort of working with us, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, Tara Benevente, thanks yeah. for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's so exciting. Um, so you are now the program director for the St. John's Village that we've talked endlessly about on this podcast because I can't really talk about anything else. <laughs> it's kind of been my whole life for two years. Um, tell us kind of a bit about yourself and, and how you got involved in the work you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So I've been in Portland for 10 years. I was born and raised on Guam, and then I moved out here in 2010. And I came out here as a student of University of Portland. I was studying social work at the time. And I also was doing a lot of church hopping, just like visiting different churches, anywhere where I could get a ride to. Just yeah. like jump in somebody's car if they were going somewhere That's on so Sunday. That's so the college thing, right? <laughs> I'm like, hey, you have a spot in your car. Yeah. So I, I jump in um, other students' cars to go to church. And that is also kind of like how I got involved in uh, volunteering with the houseless, different like winter shelters. I started to connect with, um, you know, what was St. John's Covenant Church. And then, you know, I had kind of popped in and out in the our different churches here in NOPO. Um and and then I after I graduated, I started working at Cathedral Coffee, which is where David lived um, <laughs> and where I served. I, him did. Coffee. I, I wrote I, I wrote so much there. I find I can't write anything here and a lot of my <laughs> life is writing. So I just I, li- I lived at the coffee shop. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that is really how I stayed connected with so many people, even after college, was I was I was at Cathedral for six years, and I just wow. got to see people move through different changes in their life, you know, church transitions, um, startup of new businesses, you know, people starting new families. So just being able to be in, like, this one central location um it really allowed me to stay connected with community um dude that's so rad yeah i love that man being a barista is like it was it was such a gift being able to do that job and just to know what was happening in my own neighborhood like i didn't feel like i was missing out on any on anything um so you know throughout the years of working as a barista you know i had finished um undergrad and then i Went to graduate school at Multnomah University, was studying community development, social justice there. I was always volunteering here and there. And I always just had a heart to um, serve the houseless. Um, That's always, you know, I've always been super justice oriented. I've always just wanted to be like um, serving my own neighborhood and my own community. So I, I stepped into things anytime there was an opportunity to volunteer. But then, you know, comes 2020 the pandemic and every business is trying to figure out, you know, how we're going to pivot. Um, we ended up, you know, minimizing our hours and I kind of had more free time. So then I, I saw an opportunity to work with do good Multnomah that had just opened an emergency shelter at one of our local community centers, um, the Charles Jordan community center. So I was like, you know, I'll work some part time at the coffee shop and then I'll do this shelter staff position and it just consumed me um, working at the shelter. I mean, I loved it. It was totally, I think, kind of new territory when it came to houseless services um, because there's so many layers. You know, we have a pandemic going. We have this big space. We have lots of different staff. Um, so I dove, I dove all in. 
and pretty soon decided, well, this is probably the perfect time to transition out of my coffee job and step into like full on houseless services. Um, and then from there, it just like took off. You know, I um, then moved into a program manager position, opening a motel shelter out in Northeast area. <laughs> uh, and then um, the St. John's Village was ready and started um, getting close to opening date. And so then I got this position as program manager at the village. So, yeah, I mean, I worked as a barista for six years and then I just stayed connected with the community and then finally just like made the jump into totally, totally new world. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's funny because you seem so happy. Um, I would expect <laughs> all the time. I would expect you to be completely crushed right now. Here's this is this has been your past year as I just heard it. And you you just said that so bubbly. <laughs> I heard um, the pandemic happened and um, I like, lost my so, job. So my <laughs> whole, what I what I did for a living changed entirely. And then you started leading this motel shelter, which as the news reports came out about it, mm -hmm. this is a thing that had never been done before. In no. Poland, and you kind of took the lead on that. And now you're running uh, or managing a... Uh, village, which a couple of them are going in Portland, but mostly villages are are self governed, and so this yep. is a effectively a new thing. Yes. Like you're the the way it's being done here is pretty new, and so you're kind of taking on unexplored territory twice in a year after <laughs> changing positions and and like i'm i'm trying to put myself in that place and i think it would crush me like what's it what's it been like for you yeah oh you know it's funny you put it into that perspective for me and i'm like oh yeah it really is a lot of change <laughs> yeah. um and you know to be totally honest there have been times where i've like taken a deep breath sat back and like have had the revelation like oh i'm really tired or like this has been really crazy um but you know i would say that i felt like i was really prepared for this particular chapter in my life of pivoting a bunch diving into the deep end sort of deal and a lot of that had to do i think with um a season of a lot of identity work which even as a student, you know, you go to college and you're like, oh, yeah, this is where I'm like, I'm being empowered and built up. I'm learning who I am. But not really like because you're in a college environment um, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's not like the real world. Um, but I think that, you know, prior to all the change I experienced the year before, I was really going through it and mm. I when there wasn't a lot of change happening? There wasn't a lot of change happening. Yeah. It was all just like internal world stuff. Hmm. Like understanding how I'm wired to operate in the world, understanding, you know, my sort of uh, lane as a leader, understanding that, you know, you know, if we're thinking about Enneagram stuff. Like I have mentioned before, I'm an Enneagram too. And so I'm just, I'm this yes person. I'm the helper. I kind of want to, have my hands in everything and I want to serve, but I didn't, it didn't actually make the healthiest human being operating mm. that way. And so, you know, really learning how to say no to even really good things and really invest myself into things that I knew would, would develop me as a leader, as a person, and just wanting to be healthy. 
Um, and so I definitely had a good chunk of time where, you know, I wasn't really engaged with my community. I wasn't producing a whole lot. A lot of it was just internal investment. And then, you know, at the turn of the pandemic, it just happened to be like, this is my go time. This is when I'm, I'm giving, but I'm giving out of a healthy place. And I think prior to, if I hadn't done some of that internal work, I'd be giving out of an unhealthy place and I probably wouldn't have as much joy I have in it now. Um, but I can say that I'm able to regulate when I'm giving in a healthy way, when I'm serving my community, um, in my lane, in my stream of strengths. Um, and it, it gives me, I think, courage and strength to be like the, the tip of the spear on some of these pro projects or programs where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I definitely know like where I, you know, thrive as a human being and as a leader. And I have a lot of community and support in this role. So yeah, no, it wasn't that easy, but my, my hard season was definitely prior to all this. Wow. Tara, you spoke at our church recently. Um, quick plug. Which was phenomenal, by the yeah, way. It was, it's it's first on of all, YouTube. It was a great SJC, message. PDX. It was a great message, but it was so cool just to have you present. Yeah. Like, that was fun. Mm. So look, look it up online. Um, you will not be disappointed. But something you, you said in that message that just the few of us who were there um, in person, like we just kind of gasp, um, because it was so good. You said like, you I mean, the theme was, was on rest and abiding in Jesus. Um, but you said most often we, we work, 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 and then crash. Mm -hmm. And then that, like, we were like, oh, well, I'm going to work six days and then take seventh day off. But really that's a, a crashing and mm -hmm. I need to recover. But w what I'm hearing you say is like, is that rest is not, it's not about like doing, doing less because right now in your life, you're actually doing more. It sounds like, you know, than than maybe in some of your seasons before, but you're doing it in a way with an attitude with just, just a manner, like just all the work that has happened inside. Mm. And so how you do things seems to be more significant than how much we do. Right. Right. Would you say that's true? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was definitely a multitasker, um, in the past mm. and it's definitely still, it's always going to be a challenge, right? Because we live in a world in a society that, that demands that we yeah. multitask. And we're also set up that way with media, you know, our attention is split in so many different yeah. areas. And so it's actually an act of resistance when we choose to rest. Like we're actually yeah. resisting um, overproduction, being overworked. We're resisting the sense that we have to continue like be in the grind in order to um, secure what we need for us and our families, for our community. And when we don't rest, we don't allow other people to rest as well. You know, mm. like if we're and I think that even the topic of rest is so foreign to us as a society because you know, we are such a production type yeah. culture. And so even asking ourselves, like, what does it look like for me to truly rest is such a big question. It's not mm -hmm. like a one-off answer. It's not a simple how-to because that's what we want as a society, right? Like, give me the how-to book on to yeah. rest, which is yeah. very... <laughs> uh, and resting's yeah. not merely just taking a day off. No. We talked about this in the, in the message where it's not just disconnection from all the yeah. things that are stressing you out or causing anxiety, but it's reconnection with the things mm -hmm. 
that are giving you life, that are filling you up and bringing you peace. And, you know, a lot of us aren't in touch with that, with those things yet, because we haven't we haven't connected with those things in a while. And it takes time. And I think, too, what I what I said on Sunday was sometimes we have the expectation that when we rest, we're going to have revelation about all the things that we need to reconnect with. But I honestly think that what happens first, because this is my lived experience, is we just become super aware of how exhausted we are. And it's totally okay to be in that space for a while, you know, because it's kind of like taking a moment to look around you and being like, oh, all these other parts in my life have been neglected because I've I've just been pushing it for so long. Yeah. So can can we do we have to go through that season first before we can rest? You know, I can speak from my experience and as a leader in our community um, with the commonplace, which is um, the church that I'm a part of. Um, we spent, you know, five years talking about rest. You know, the teaching that I gave on, on Sunday was a form of uh, a certain shape that we teach within our community about rest. The whole, uh, work, 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 crashing into rest is like this pendulum shape of like, we keep on, we work, 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 and then we like swing towards the other end of the, of the pendulum and we just crash into rest. So I didn't share that picture on Sunday, but I share that because this is something we've been talking about for a long time and we've been observing it, but still we don't really know how to rest. And I've been asking the question, we've been asking the question, like, why is it that this is something that we've been thinking about, we've been meditating on, but still we don't know how to rest. And I think because we turned it into like another doing thing where it's like, okay, create, create healthy patterns in your life. Take the Sabbath, you know, take your morning prayer, you know, take your afternoon walk sort of deal, press into the things that give you life. But it's just a continuous do culture. And I think it is necessary that we go through the grieving process or even just the exhaustion stage of like, because you you have to really feel that, you know, and it might be good to even use like the whole analogy of like realizing you have a sickness right? Like we know sometimes in our bodies, we don't feel well, right? So we're like, so quick to like, want to do something about it. But pretty soon you realize that, you know, a lot of the stuff you're doing for your body, you know, maybe I need to work out, maybe I need to cut out this or add this into my diet sort of deal, but it never actually helps you feel better because you might have something even more serious going on. You actually have to realize and become aware of what exactly, just like how how sick you are, how um, ill you're feeling, and like to be, to kind of sit with the reality of that for a while, and then you know dig down to kind of the root of it and realize, okay, I I feel really serious about just allowing my body to rest. You know, I don't know if that's a helpful analogy, but. The truth is a lot of us are actually kind of going through that. We don't, our, you know, the body keeps a score sort of deal. Yeah. Right. Like our bodies know how tired we are. Um, I like, I like that a lot. It sounds like that metaphor to me makes a whole lot of sense. If we talk about illness, it, it sounds more like crashing from exhaustion not necessarily bad, like that does treat the symptom, mm-hmm. but it doesn't treat the actual problem underneath. Like treating yeah. the symptom is good. If I've got a fever of 103, Tylenol, you know, yeah. feels good, 
it's not treating anything underneath. Like I've still I've still got a 103 <laughs> fever. Something else is causing that. Yes. Um, or if uh, if I have maybe um, cancer, pain meds, they're great. Yeah. I I need something more like chemo or something. There's there's something underneath that's more hurting and so crashing from exhaustion like that's that's fine and good and well in a in a treating symptom way but there's something underneath that's that's hurting or yeah. or caught the root of the bigger problem yes i like that absolutely a lot. yeah i mean and we definitely um i think i've been thinking about what does it look like to heal from constantly overproducing and overworking? Yeah. You know, healing takes a long time. Yeah. You know, healing will naturally happen when we allow our, ourselves and our bodies to heal. But it, I think that we have a hard time realizing that that takes a lot of time. And because we want instant results, yeah. sometimes we're not willing to be patient through, like, uh, reconnecting with rest. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, so, so you went to you went to school. Um, did you did you have, um, like justice oriented work? Was was that in your future, or is that something that more kind of fell into your lap? Was was that something you were kind of thinking as like a lifelong? It was, and how I discovered it. Um was well so I grew up as a pastor's kid um and you know we don't have a whole lot of homeless um folks on Guam because it's such a collectivist culture nobody really lives on the street it's either you're living within auntie and uncle grandma your cousin you know there's there's not an individualist society to kind of perpetuate um chronic houselessness so but um when I was a teenager, I volunteered at a shelter and, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're doing something and you realize like, oh, this is uh, taking up all of my heart space. Like, I want to be here. I want to hang out with these people. And the thing was, is it wasn't necessarily like I felt like I was blessing houseless folks with my time and my energy. It felt like they were blessing me because I I didn't know you know, the, the strength, the courage, the resiliency that you need to survive houselessness. But I saw that in folks who were experiencing houselessness and it was such an encouragement and that they, um, are just people full of blessing. Um, and, and the thing is, is, you know, you grew up as a pastor's kid, you think, oh, maybe I'll go into like seminary or theology or something but social work looked so much more like jesus than did seminary or theology Mm -hmm. so i just decided to do social work (laughs) yeah that's great and and that's a diss on us david (laughs) i i think i think it's more of a a thirty thousand foot view at the system we we always think oh i want to walk in the way of jesus mm-hmm. i need to go to bible college <laughs> like right, that's, right. that's always the thing and and i'm i i loved my schooling i did i i think that there's 
space and room and 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 goodness in Bible school in seminary and whatnot. I don't think that's the be all and all. Nor should it be. Like if if you're looking at um, Paul talking about the body of Christ, like he he literally says, not everyone should be a teacher. Not everyone mm-hmm. should be a prophet. Um, you were talking, Tara, about the commonplace and how like Anton has apostolic gifts and is kind of a crummy pastoral care guy. I did like, not say crummy. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth that he's going to be mad at. I No, I'm saying like... Anton won't listen we all... to this. <laughs> no one will listen to this. Um, uh, it's With Tara on this show. Of course everybody's going to listen to this <laughs> no, episode. No. Um, it's, the, the thing is, like, we've all got different gifts, and the way that um, Bible school is set up is to train a certain type, type of gift, and that mm. is not... The entire body of Christ. So I think right. I think there's uh, there's something to be said for a lot of people walking in the way of Jesus not going to Bible school, right? And then there's there's something to be said for others going, and that's and that's fine, and that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that the the value of even just what you learn in Bible school is the ability to be able to name things. I think having language is so important um, for our lived experience, but I think oftentimes it can turn into it becomes disconnected from our lived experience, and then it's all about theologizing through your mind. But, you know, having both is so powerful. And you're totally right about um, us uh, sort of being indoctrinated to operate in a certain way with gifting, with leadership, instead of just realizing that if we allow people to walk in their specific role in gifting, they will be the healthiest, and then our communities will be the healthiest. Well, and the the, the sucky thing about the church world in general is that um, you, by basis of the fact that you spoke at church on Sunday and that you um, regularly share in a, in a more leadershipy way with your community, you are seen as above other Christians just inherently. Hmm. And I am seen as above other people in my church inherently. Josh is the same way. And that, that is a huge problem that we have. That's, that's a problem not that's a that's a problem in American Western Christianity that we tend to elevate certain giftings above others. We do that. So, and yeah. and that's why I love when you're saying houseless folks have taught me a lot and yeah. blessed me a lot. Like there is um there are gifts that are undervalued and there are gifts that are overvalued and quite frankly the three of us have overvalued gifts Mm. um and and we shouldn't have that it shouldn't be that way but it is Mm. yeah yeah i'm uh yuck (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yes but um and i i think so because i i don't want to minimize our, our gifts, I guess. And I think I do. I do. because right now, like culturally what we're seeing, especially with the office of pastor is like, it's becoming like very, it, it's, it is becoming very undervalued. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is a, that is a shift 
from what we like, just like go back to before any of us were born, you know, like the pastor was the mayor of the town, you know, mm-hmm. the, like the pastor was the judge, jury and executioner, if you would, you know, like the pastor held significantly more power um, than they, sh- they should have. And right. certainly in our context, we, we are often overvalued. There's no doubt that the, um, but what what that does, like for us on on that side of being overvalued, it can definitely feed our ego, um, and that's of course not Christ like. And so, like there, I I do think there there ought to be a way where we we honor, and maybe not like, and and so that's that. I don't like that hierarchy. The yeah. hierarchy. You're right, David. Like the hierarchy gets messy, and we put people on pedestals that. And then we, and then we wonder why they fall. Um, and, uh, but, but there, I think, I think there still needs to be a way to be able to, to honor one another, to be able to honor even the positions that we have as pastor, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, not to over honor. Um, I think that that's definitely interesting, um, interesting thought, but, Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point with that. And maybe where we've sort of lost vision of that is we turn the role of pastor into an office rather than a function. Mm. And when we talk about it in terms of functions, then we're able to honor and value all different sort of roles, you know, like pastors, essentially, we're just we care about the individual and whether we care about if individual uh, people within within the faith community and their needs are being cared for. Like, are they being cared for? You know, an, an, an apostle would be asking, you know, are people walking in their destiny? Are people walking in their calling? They're always kind of the visionaries. You know, teachers are asking, um, you know, are, are people hearing the word of God and following through with it? Um, you know, so you have, you know, quote unquote evangelists, because there's a lot, you know, involved in that are, are asking, are the, are the people, uh, of God going out into the broken world and are people in the broken world, like coming into the faith family. So it's like, you have all of these like different functions within a faith community or, and I don't even like to say the word faith community because you have people who are operating in these functions and gifts just anywhere within businesses, within schools, within social services. Um, but we, you're right. I think we elevate, one role over the other because we've turned them into offices. And I wonder if there's just even like a, uh, a shift we need to have in our thinking or a change of language, um, that allows us to like value all functions equally. It is. Yeah. That language pastor, pastor is. Pastor's uh, like ultimate leader in our day. Because, and age. Yeah. Because yeah. pastor yeah. is both an office and a function mm-hmm. and that like, yeah, and again, our the English language falls short so often. But to be able like to reclaim that and to be intentional with how yeah. how we use that um, can be powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to switch gears maybe a little bit. Go back to something. Let's go back to kind of this idea of rest. Um, and Tara, your your work right now working directly with. Um, with houseless neighbors and individuals, it and social work in general, it mm. it is a work that is 
incredibly draining mm-hmm. and soul sucking for some. And like, we talk a lot about like the importance of, of like self care. And so I, but in hearing you, there seems to be something, there's something in you that, that actually doing that work actually seems to fill you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Would, uh, wh- what, what is that? Like, you doing something that is actually bringing you joy and peace and filling you as opposed to again, that like I'm going to do the same thing, but it's draining me and I need to go take care of my self can like, can self care happen while, while we're actually giving of ourself. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's taken me a long time to discover that that's totally possible that self-care can happen at the same time you're giving a lot of yourself. And I and but you are also right it's really draining work. But if you like if I were just to see myself in this position as someone who is constantly giving and not receiving in this sort of mutual partnership and relationship with houseless folks, I'd be exhausted. But like these folks are my friends, you know? Like I know them by name and they're funny. And they, they know the streets, they know how it works, they're resourceful. Um, we're not in this sort of social service relationship one-sided. And, and then you have your coworkers and your staff who are incredibly, incredibly talented and keeping tabs on each other about, you know, I think you need to tap out and I need to tap in and vice versa. And so, I mean, I think one of the things is like I'm someone who – always wants to keep like on the forefront of my mind that this is a community thing. Um, and I am very limited human being. Like I have like this one body and I can only do so much with my time. And, um, man, admitting that is so hard. Yeah. I mean, I really, to be honest, I'm going to be realistic. I can really only focus on a couple of things throughout my week. Like I'm just, we're just not wired to carry that much. And some of us think we are. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yes, I'll do that. That um so yeah, I mean I think I can settle into this role because um it's a mutual thing, but also I think I've learned that self-care has to be intentional. You can't just wait for refreshment to come. You have to pursue it. And, you know, I have, I'm a routine person. So, you know, I have small practices. One of those things is like, I like doing mindfulness practice. I take, you know, even if it's just like three to seven minutes of like sitting meditation, it's just breathing. It's just like being connected with the fact that like, I'm in this room, I'm in this chair, I'm with my friends and I can only be here at this moment in time. And just, you know, I think it's like, It really helps me to stay sane um, and to be aware that, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I can future think and worry about, but there's nothing I can do about it right now. So mindfulness has helped me. Um, I think we all have, like, our our self-care things. Like, I love getting outside. I shared that on Sunday. Um, There's something just about, like, being in the middle of the forest or, like, on the the shore looking out at the ocean that... Um, you don't need any words, but it just like, it fills your soul. Um, and then I, on my weekend, I completely turn my phone off and 
I plan to do nothing on Sundays. I don't even we don't even wash dishes. We don't clean. We don't go out. I mean, we just make pancakes and coffee and read. And so that that's hard to get to that point, but yeah, I think we all have to find like these little self-care things cuz we all are giving out in some capacity throughout the week. It's surreal that the way you just described that sounds so radical. I know, isn't that funny? I had this is I'm I'm holding my smartphone. I've only ha- I was late to the game. I've only had a smartphone for 6 years. Nice. Right, when I, um, yeah, when you first came when in I my first office came here. after moving to St. John's, like you had just got your first smartphone. Nice. Yeah. And you're like, Josh, can I put your f-? I think I was one of your yeah. first contacts. <laughs> you were. <laughs> your you were. I, I was I was really uh excited and it was wild and now like I I numb myself through YouTube videos. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm I'm not like feeling guilty here. Yeah, but, but <laughs> good, I do, good, good. It does. Excuse, though. It very much does feel radical. The idea of leaving your phone off, making pancakes and coffee, and reading, and mm. and not not taking a picture of yourself reading and posting <laughs> it to Instagram, like the idea or, of. Of doing it doing without a Facebook live video of you reading. I, I do that. <laughs> oh my god. But gosh. only because it's funny. <laughs> have you seen that? I just I, I so, haven't. So when 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 pandemic started, <laughs> this is a site. When the pandemic started, best Facebook everyone, live video ever. Everyone in the world seemed to like every every pastor I know started doing these Facebook lives to keep to like they seem to need to connect with their people and right, and right. keep giving devotionals and stuff and I was like oh man I don't have anything to say like I'm not keeping up and then I thought <laughs> what's the You're not keeping up. What would there be the lamest thing I could do? Uh, like let's swing the other way. Everyone's like putting all this content online. What if I just did a video of myself staring at the camera and not doing anything or, or I did a two hour Facebook live where I just silently read a book. Um, (laughs) No, you did not. I did. Oh my gosh. You are like the coolest person ever. Something go viral. It had something like 400 views. People were just watching it, watching me silently read a book. That was probably meditation for those 400 views. It was like watching the Yule log or something. It was hysterical to me. Like I, I, I just did it and I thought no one will watch this, but it makes me laugh. And then I got off. And my messages, like, like I had so many freaking notifications of people saying, I hate you for doing this, and I hate myself for watching it. David, <laughs> it you are... so, you, so stinking funny. <laughs> you are a revolutionary. That it is was, stuff that revolutionaries do. It was, it it was, was your really own funny. form of protest. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. I should probably do that <laughs> later today. That would be funny. Um, I but love it. It was... It was so stupid. Anyway, I I do I do think there's something radical yeah. in reclaiming like just being present for a day or something. Yeah. Like the the idea of um I mean Walter Brueggemann wrote the book Sabbath is Resistance. Uh you brought that up earlier and and like there is something um as as resistance to reclaiming the idea of intentional um, rest and intentional presence. Yeah. And I think, mm. yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's so 
we didn't we didn't bring you here with this topic in mind, but I think you did you did reignite something on Sunday of like um, reminding us about the importance of presence and the importance of um, uh, mindfulness. And I think we've we've sort of lost that as a, mm. as a society. And mm-hmm. so I think I think you're you're bringing um, you're bringing back to mind something that we're we're all kind of collectively missing as as a church, as a people, and as a society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel that. I'm with you all in that. Like, we're realizing how important it is to reclaim that. You yeah. know, this is the beginning of that for sure. Yeah. I've always, maybe not always, I've often pushed against, like, this idea of Sabbath and rest and self-care because I think of how it's often framed and I think Mm. it's framed like taking a day off and, and focusing like being, being focused on self. And it's more, I think it fits more in that like work, work, work crash. Yeah. And then like take, take time, take self care to recover. But like Tara, something with you, you, uh, I remember, and those early days, first meeting you about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I think you were with Micah Challenge. Yeah, I think. yeah. And uh, just like there's something that your countenance, just being mm. in your presence, you know, there's something like, wow, there she she just has a peace. There's there's this peace. There's a wholeness wow. that that you live with. And then, yeah, at at Cathedral, you know, every time there's just there's the smile and the the joy and like, wow, there's. There's something that you bring to, to, to life, Hmm. um, with that. And, and that is something like my heart longs for. And I think I've, I I think I've been there. I've dabbled in that, you know, I've flirted with it. Um, there's definitely a lot of work that I can do, but I, I love that image of like, like resting while in the midst of what we're doing. Like if, yeah. if what we are doing is so draining to our soul that we have to recover totally like on a regular basis, let's reevaluate what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and to find those things, even in, in the, in the social work and working with the vulnerable, how that can actually be life giving. Yeah. And you don't necessarily need to set a time apart to recover from that. And that's, I think, but it's, it, you, you set time apart to connect. Yeah. I think looking at Jesus life, he didn't, I don't think he went away to recover from being from with his disciples or being from the crowds. Right. It's not this recovering, but it's, it's this filling still, yeah. you know, like, and that's not to say that he didn't get filled up when he was with the crowds or with his disciples, yeah. you know, like, we need to, we need to find those ways. Like I, I get filled up in a room full of people, you know, like that just fills me up so much. Yeah. But it, I also get filled up being in the mountain by myself too, mm. you know, and mm. it's a different connecting. Absolutely. And, and I think both are important, but. Yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. And Jesus was like the tip top perfect example of always like being able to give in, in, on one hand and then being able to reconnect on the other. And I, I like what you said. It's not about Jesus, like always getting away to like, to recover, to recover. I don't That's think that was word, ever. So yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, 
but it was always about reconnecting. It was about staying connected. Yeah. I mean, that's like what John 15 is all about. It's about staying connected. Yeah. And we are in such an individualistic society yep. as well that tells you you're responsible for your own uh, well-being and health. And we we die without being connected mm-hmm. to life source, to each other. Um, and I think that's why a lot of us are struggling during the pandemic as well. And I feel for all the extroverts out there who are like, my source of life is all the people. Give me all the people. Um, yeah, which that's is, hard. Which Give is me why all we're the people. Isn't there a Beatles song at the? Imagine that. Imagine that's, all the people. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Imagine all the Lennon, people. Yeah. Um, Post pandemic. Imagine um, all the people. I, I think together. of it's attributed to Wesley. I don't know if it was him, but when when he was. He was spending an hour in prayer every day, and then um, all these other leaders were like, "How do you, how do you do that? There's so huh. much you have to do." And he said, "If there ever comes a point where I don't have time to do an hour of prayer a day, hmm. then I need to start doing two. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and and I think about that, and I'm like that. That's such an intentional way of thinking that right. that yeah. if I'm not giving myself this time to be filled, then I need to push away the other things and give myself even more. Yeah. And that that's kind of what I think you you've been getting at is is the intentionality of it and yeah. and the fact that you will be needed. You talked about Jesus when he goes off his first time going off in the book of Mark um to be with the Father, he comes back and Peter's like, where were you? Everyone's been looking for you. And he doesn't even respond. He's like, all right, time to go to the next place. I love him. And, and so he does, like, he leaves. He doesn't tell anyone. And then he comes back. And when people ask him about it, he doesn't even answer. Yeah. He's just like, this is what is going to be. Yeah. Like, accept it. And, yeah. and, and I think it's... It seems so revolutionary, and yet it should be such a standard. And I think it's such a needed message and such a needed way of living in 2021. And yes, yes. So I think I think you really are with the way you're trying to live your life, with the way the commonplace is trying to um, teach and lead and disciple in community, and the way you're trying to be a lead with um, your work with the houseless, mm. I think it's 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 a very needed um, uh, message and a very needed uh, thing for all of us to see. And so I'm I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for uh, what you're what you're bringing to our community here. Yeah, thanks. I'm so grateful for you both. You know, and all of our like all of our partners and supporters. Like it's. It's wonderful. It's yeah. super supportive. And yeah, we can't we can't do it without being connected to one another. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Um you're uh you're engaged too. I you, am. Uh you and Kim are I you're, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but I think you're my favorite couple. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know David I has just, told me this before. I just I you're you're both so great and I I like I like awesome people and I like awesome people together. And yeah. So it just, it just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. She's incredibly awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm biased for sure. Right. But no, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're enjoying being engaged. Um, and that, yeah, that's been really fun. Yeah. You know, so cool. Yeah. So cool. 
Um, well, uh, if if people want to find you online, where um, whereabouts can they find you? Oh, um, go ahead and follow the Primal Islander on Instagram, and that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> or no, you know what? You can follow um, also the Commonplace PDX, yeah. the Commonplace PDX on Instagram, and then you can follow me, the Primal Islander on Instagram. That's where you'll find me. I've said I've said before and I think I said in church on Sunday, I expected your the church you're a part of to crash and burn when they got here mm. because when I got here, I I came to a ministry gathering which is like where all the all the people doing any sort of ministry in North Portland kind of get together once a month just to build one another up, to chat, to right. shoot the breeze. It's great. I went to the first one that uh, since I got here in 2015, early February, and like half the people that were there were gone within mm. I don't know, like a month. Yeah, it, there's so many church plants that come in and come out. And when I heard a bunch of people are coming up from Southern California to start this church slash gym, I was like, okay, that'll be fun. I'll meet them, yeah. and then they they can go back. Where they came from, because everyone does. But, like, I love the fact that this wasn't just a quick decision. It was a it was a prayerful consideration, and through all the difficulties, like everyone stuck it out. Because, yes. like, when you feel like God's putting you in a place, you you stick it out. Yeah, through some of the hardship. Yeah. And so I I really really love that. Mm-hmm. I love that y'all are here, and um, you've you've been teaching me a lot. So, wow. so I'm grateful. Yeah. Thanks, uh, David. I stuck it out too, David. <laughs> you did. That was a poor decision on your part. You're now like, we're stuck. Getting, <laughs> We've all stuck, stuck it out. out. We've all stuck, stuck it out. With Working David. with me is not a smart decision. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a loose cannon and I'm also, and uh, I'm not a loose cannon I'm at all. Pretty, right? I'm pretty emotionally flighty. So it's, it's, <laughs> It's an interesting thing working alongside me, as you well know. (laughs) Great things in store. Great things in store. Um, We're we're very excited. Well, thank you for being here, Tara. This was a joy. I know. I Um, love just sitting around and chatting with you guys. Oh, it's so great. Thanks for living your life like you do, too. And like anybody of our any of our listeners, the three of them that are out there, um, (laughs) like have coffee with Tara if you want to. Dude, she's right. Have joy in your life. She makes good coffee. I would coffee. love to have coffee she, with you. She makes good coffee. She, uh, I mean, she works with the homeless now, so she uh, mostly has shelter coffee. So I do. if you want to, <laughs> if you want to buy her a cup of not shelter coffee, I'm sure she'd appreciate it. Oh, yes, I'd love that. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for listening for the Unsuccessful Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Josh. And we'll see you next time on our podcast. <laughs>